day at the harbor. Are you glad to be here? Say amen. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you to the Harbor Worship Center. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Sains, and uh, we are glad that you're here today. <clears throat> if you're um, new, we uh, urge you to uh, step out uh, at either, well, you don't have to step out, step back. On the right side of the church and the left side of the church, there's these um, signs with tables like this that says one, two, three. That's if you're a first-time guest, first second-time guest, third-time guest. And yes, there is a gift implied there at the first time and second time. You, you'll get those gifts. So we thank you for being with us, and we urge you to come and be a part. If you don't have a home church, then we invite you to come and be part of what God's doing right here. Today, I want to just dive into some deep stuff. So I need all of my amen brothers and sisters uh, to jump on board with me. And uh, if you agree with me, say amen. If you don't, give me the benefit of the doubt so you can prove otherwise. Are you with me? Say amen. So contrary to popular belief, preaching is not just about preaching people happy and making them feel good about themselves. But there's oftentimes I come to the platform to preach a message and just, I need, I need steel-toed boots on myself because it's hitting me likewise. So today I want to deal with, in this last of the Your Verse series, it just struck me and I couldn't get away from it last week. And, and by the way, Pastor Josh did a wonderful job last Sunday, didn't he? Um, he did. Um, but while I was in the office last week, I was dealing with this passage of Scripture and I could not get beyond it. I just couldn't get away from it. And usually for me, that means i got to build a message on it. And so I started, and, and it was tough. And I read, and I said, well, Lord, that's not the easiest thing to preach. And, you know, he didn't call me to be easy. He just called me to preach. So anyway, I decided I would deal with it. And so I want to preach a message. I believe it was M.C. Hammer. Did he say, can't touch this? Was that him? All right, well, it, PJ told me, he said, now, Pastor, if you'd have gave me a couple of weeks, I would have danced this thing out for you. <laughs> well, I tried to tell him in the green room to just be instant in season and out of season. Come on. <laughs> would y'all agree? Anyway, no. But, but anyway, that's kind of a saying that come to me because of the, the uh, age-old words, it seems. That, well, I don't want to say age-old. I think it has gotten more prevalent in the last 10 years. It's a quick statement that just says, don't judge me. Done got quiet. I ain't been preaching five minutes. Already quiet. Don't judge me. And then there will be people, you know, to say, doesn't the Bible say not to judge? And indeed it does. And we're going to go there in just a moment, but I want you to understand something before I get there. The Bible does say do not judge, but... 99% of people who say, don't judge me, has taken Matthew 7 out of its context completely and have obliterated that meaning. So now, I, I, I'm going to just run down this road, and let me just say this. Uh, whatever I say bounces both ways. It, so I'm not, anyway, I'm not here to please. I'm just here to preach. So, But where did we go wrong with this don't judge me? We hear it all the time. It's a little phrase that has crept into the college campuses a number of years ago and has become a staple of the modern vernacular. It's a phrase in which when it is spoken, it holds the power to elicit unanimous approval for whatever anyone's doing or wants to do. When they say those words, don't judge me, it could be 
in the dining hall and you're sitting next to your lifelong friend who has been overweight all their life and they finally decided to call Jenny Craig or go to the gym or whatever and they finally started making a little bit of headway but they got a donut and while they were putting it to their mouth, you kind of looked at them, and you didn't want to say anything because you were too polite to say anything, but you looked at them, and they pulled the donut down just a little bit and said, don't judge me. <laughs> or maybe you were in the library in school or college or work or whatever, and, and, uh, and it's supposed to be some original work due, and all of a sudden you just sort of highlighted a big old section of Wikipedia or whatever, and you just cut and sort of paste and just dropped it right in there. And your buddy looked over your shoulder and said, what are you doing? And you looked over your shoulder and said, don't judge me. So maybe, maybe you're at that party and, uh, you know, some things have happened that shouldn't have happened that you let happen. And when your friend looked at you and you knew you said, we're going to go to this, but we're not going to participate in whatever. There's a question mark. You do it. And then, but he looked at you and just simply said, don't judge me. In other words, those three words seem to elicit the approval of whatever I want to do. Don't judge me. I'm just going to have a little adultery here. Don't judge me. I'm just going to drink a fifth of vodka. Don't judge me. I'm just going to get naked and parade all over Facebook. Don't, don't judge me, I'm just going to do this. And by issuing those three words, don't judge me, we have said to those people, Jesus said don't judge, and you're disobeying Jesus, and you're wrong, and you're going to hell, and I can do whatever I want to, because don't we know Paul said that all things are permissible? Again, out of context. The Bible says Judas went and hung himself. It also says go do ye likewise but it's not together in the same context. So if you want to make it in the same context, you're probably going to have a bad day. Amen? Let me, so, so I, I got to stay with this phrase for just a second. Perhaps it's your buddy or your girlfriend or whatever, and you know that they've been talking to somebody that they shouldn't be talking to because this brother has been bringing them flowers to work and they're already married. Let, let just, I don't know anybody, I'm just scanning like a radar. I don't have no personal knowledge, so if it hits you, that's the Holy Spirit, so just take it. <laughs> Hello? But your girlfriend says, honey, you know, you shouldn't have accepted those flowers because when you accepted those flowers, that's kind of an invitation to bring more. That's kind of an invitation to, for the next step and whatever. And you just simply said, don't judge me. And then you might have even said, you don't even know what I'm going through, so don't judge me. Is everybody still with me? You can't touch this! Right? Can't touch this. I got this. Me and Jesus got this worked out. Well, since I'm held accountable for how I preach and how I lead and how I instruct, I've got to be faithful to the Word of, to the word of God. And so let's just have a look at it. Matthew chapter 7, and, and I want to just dive into this, if I may. He says in verse 1, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now watch this. Here's this, this condition. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. There are those who see everybody else's sin as, I mean, sure enough, bad, eternal damnation sins. 
and theirs as the local prison, t- I mean the local jail type, t- maybe even the detention center, don't even got to go to the big house. But we see everybody else, are, are you hearing me? So now after that, there is a few verses of Scripture, and I don't have time to preach all this, uh, Lord knows, because I won't be able to get to what I really want to get to. The next three verses there deal with three through five, talks about why is it that we would look at the speck in someone's eye and forget about the plank that's in our own eye? So he's talking about inequitable judgment there where we see something that you did real big, and we don't even evaluate what's you know, in our eye. So, so that's the next three verses. So Jesus is very balanced with this. But he says, don't judge unless you want to be judged with the same measure you judge other people. And then he talked about the sawdust and the plank. And then he says this. This is amazing. Verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred and do not give pearls to pigs. Now, he's using some language here metaphorically speaking about people. So who gave the judgment call to decide he's a dog and he's a pig? Well, let me just go further because this is red and Jesus is talking about it, so we've got to be careful how we throw stones at him. He said, if you do, then you may, they may turn and trample under your feet. So if that's not enough, let me just move a little bit further because on down in that same chapter in verse number 15, <coughs> Jesus addressed something else. And here's what he said in 15. Watch out for false prophets. Well, how are we going to know if they're false if we can't judge them? Don't judge me. I said, if you give me $1,000, you're going to get a pink Cadillac. Don't judge me. Can't touch this. I'll give you some holy water and you give me a million dollars. Can't touch this. That's, that's baloney. It's, it's prosperity gospel is a bunch of bunk. It's hogwash. That's another message, so come back. Now, I know you're... Uh, I will preach it if you'll come back. But watch out for false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. In other words, somebody has to be led by the Holy Spirit enough to discern what's happening beyond the facade. You say, well, you're judging me. No, no, no. We are spiritually discerning some things. Now, I, I don't want to say everything that's said is spiritual discernment, so don't let me go. That's a bridge too far. But, but here's what Jesus said. But by their fruit... You will recognize them, he says. By the fruit you recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. So what Jesus is saying, yes, we're not to judge people in the sense that there, there's two different words, and I'm going to talk about them in just a moment. But the one, uh, crino, literally means to condemn or to damn someone, like a judge that could pass a sentence of execution. We are absolutely not to do that. Huh? Um, the other word uh, literally means um, that, that, that we are to scrutinize. In other words, we can't condemn someone, but we should scrutinize and examine carefully. There is a big difference. So let me move on because time will get by. But, but he says a good tree, in verse 18, cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit so what jesus is saying to us in this passage is while you may not have the the uh permission to damn someone or to condemn them to hell you are indeed called upon to look at the fruit if they say they're an apple tree and there's pears they are lying hello if they say they love people and have no compassion they are lying he said no wait a minute 
Go ahead and give him praise. That's all right. You see, he said in verse 20, thus by their fruit you will recognize them, thereby giving us an ability to call it like we see it. Now listen, I'm not saying you can have it any way you want to have it. Because the people on the other side of your bench or pew or chair, whatever it is you're sitting in, they're going to get to call it the way they see it. huh? But I will say this. When you look at someone's life, if there is consistent, man, this is apples, apples, and apples. I'm telling you, that is an apple tree. But if you see somebody, but man, there is thistles, and there is thorns, and there is figs, and there is grapes, and they're saying, I'm an apple tree. They're lying or powerfully confused. Amen. So now, now I'm going to go a step further before I got to dive into some hardcore stuff in a moment. So y'all need to buckle your seatbelt. In verse 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, was going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't judge me. Can't touch this. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Not everyone that calls my name, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to come to heaven. Not everyone's going to enter the kingdom of God, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, I can hold up the word of God and see how Jesus acted. Hello? Y'all are getting quiet on me. But, so, so this is some powerful stuff. He tells us that we have to be very careful when it comes to judging. So, so, so let me move over now and, and, and talk about this. What does that, the Bible mean there about this judging? Um, he just simply says we have to be careful how we judge because it's going to be measured back to us the same way. Now listen, if you're born again, uh, Christian, saved, filled with the Spirit, you shouldn't have no problem because... If you say, now that's hypocritical, you ought to be willing as well, if you're doing something hypocritical, to be able to say, you know, I'm sorry, my friend, but that was wrong of me. What has happened to Christians that are too big for their britches, that, that can't ever say I was wrong, that can't ever be humbled to tears? Is anybody with me? Or is it just? I want to take you to a place in, in, in the Corinthian letter. Now, let me preface this because it's going to get real, real sticky. So I don't want to put the scripture up until I go there. But here's, here's the background of the letter to the Corinthians. Paul had established the Corinthian church. I believe it was on his second missionary journey. And he moved on from Corinth to Ephesus. And from Ephesus, he was brought a letter from the Corinthian church. And in the Corinthian church, they sent a letter by Stephanus and I believe Apollos, uh, or the household of Chloe. They, they sent letters to Paul and said, well, hey, now what about this? Because we got people acting up in church. Now, you got to think, that Corinth was a pagan place. Did you know what the Cor Corinthian was? To walk like a Corinthian was to walk like a fornicator. Just so you know. So here it is, at this, this place, and, and Paul writes, or he's in Ephesus, and he gets a letter, and uh, it, I mean, it wasn't an email or nothing. It took a little while to get it together, but they got it, and he said, we got, we got brothers suing brothers in the church. We got uh, problems, you know, in marriage where, you know, men or women are not offering due benevolence to one another. We have problems. I mean, he just begins to, to um, enumerate those problems. And, and Paul 
writes the Corinthian letter, 1 Corinthians, and in fact, here's the literary markers for you, um, those, those, those scholars out there. You will find him changing and say, now concerning such and such, brethren, here's what he says. And then he'll, he'll run that discourse for a little while and he'll say, and now concerning, and that's kind of a literary marker where he's turning his conversation to another question that the Corinthian church is asking. <clears throat> so now I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and here's what the problem is. We, we got some incest going on. It's a real, real problem in the Corinthian church. And um, the, the pagans, I mean, you're talking about a church that was born in a pagan nation, so they're really outnumbered. And it's easy, if you're not careful, for false doctrine to, to, to slip in, even in the Bible Belt, let alone a, a pure-out pagan place. So let's look at this. He said, it is actually, verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. He said there's, there's some sexual immorality going on, even so bad that, that the pagans around you wouldn't even tolerate this, and this is going on in the church. Can't touch this. Don't judge me, Uncle Paul. Or, you know, Big Daddy Paul, whoever started the church, you know, that's the mentality of the world. He said that a man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, he said, and he goes on and says, and you're proud. Now, let, let me give you some behind-the-scenes stuff right here. This was not one of the questions they asked him about. They didn't ask him about, you know, this fornicator in the church. They wanted to know about a brother that sues a brother. They wanted to know about simple stuff. That, but, but you got this prominent guy in the church. I don't know. He might have been a heavy giver. I don't know. But he's sleeping with his father's wife. Now, I don't know if his father had died or what the case is. But anyway, here's a real problem. And Paul will indicate to them through other means that why didn't y'all tell me about that? You asked me about all kind of stuff. But somebody from Chloe's household come and told me what you some things really going on down there in Corinth. And he said, I'm going to write this letter, and here's what I need you to do. But if you don't get it straightened out, I'm going to come back, and we're going to straighten it up. So if y'all give me just a few minutes here, we're going to try to straighten it up. He says, uh, shouldn't you have rather gone into mourning? In other words, you who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ, shouldn't you have gone into mourning over this and have put out of your fellowship the man who's been doing this? Now, and this is going to get real sketchy, man, so I, got, I, got a, mm. I don't want nobody to leave with a misconception. Uh, so he says, so watch this. For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And as one who is present with you always, I have already passed judgment. Whoa, whoa, can't touch this. Here's the Apostle Paul that wrote a third of the New Testament. And he was caught up into the third heaven and seen things unlawful for him to even write. And we have the audacity to use this term, don't, don't judge me. And when we're doing stuff that is a clear violation of the word of God. I know some of y'all are going to be hunting somewhere for next week. Anyway, he said, he said, I've already passed judgment in the name. Watch this, he said, I've already passed judgment, not in Paul's name. He said, but in the name of of our Lord Jesus on the one who's been doing this. What he's saying is this. You can say can't touch this all you want to. You can say don't, don't judge me. 
Don't judge me. You know you got a plank in your eye. Clearly, we can look at the evidence, we can look at the fruit and say this aligns itself scripturally with the Lord, and this does not. Now listen, we're not talking about gray areas here. We're talking about black and white, and I ain't talking about race. I'm talking about right and wrong. So let me go on. So when you're assembled together, and I'm with you in spirit, and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, watch this, y'all fixing to have a duck right here. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Now, let me just, just deal with this for a second. You know what he said? Hand this man over to the devil. He ain't saying that we want to have some sort of ill thing where the devil comes in and kills him. He said, but what we want to say is this. We are the church of the living God. We have pledged ourselves to live holy principles. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but when we have someone, he says, this guy is living in open immorality. He's not ashamed of it. He don't care about it. And he said, even you as a church ain't wanting to do nothing. And he says, turn him over to Satan. <clears throat> number of years ago, I mean a long time ago, 10, 15 years ago, I had a situation in the church where I had someone in the church in position decided to have an affair with somebody else in the church in position. And Lord, have mercy, when the news come to me, what am I to do? Man, I've got this person and this person, and they both got spouses. Are y'all with me? In the church. And then when someone comes to me and says, God has put us together. I said, let me just be the first to tell you that God hadn't done this because God does not bring union together by dividing two other families. This is, this is not of God. This is of the flesh. This is of lust, period. It wreaked havoc on me. You know why? Because I fired both of them immediately. Immediately. You say, well, are you above this? I'm not saying I'm above anybody. I am simply saying I did what I had to do. And when I done that, I said, why don't you just repent? Why don't you get it right? We are right. We're going to go to another church. We're going we're gonna to live like we live. We're going to live how God's called us to be. And I said, not in the church of God. Not as long as I'm a deal. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, I fought hell and high water. Had a business meeting only twice in my entire ministry, nearly 30 years, have we disfellowshipped somebody from the church. Begged and pleaded, would you please do away with this? Would you please abandon your ways? You say, well, would you do this? These people were, were in position. I'm not talking about, it ain't right for just anybody who attends, but somebody that's on the staff. And Lord, have mercy. That thing got ugly. Got ugly all the way to Cleveland. Pastor, we're going to sue you. We're going to sue the church. We're going to take everything you have. And I said, well, enjoy the ride. Because I got about a million dollars worth of coverage for stupid stuff like this. Here's the long story short. 99% of the church voted to turn them out. You say, now, I ain't coming around no part like that. That's you. What Paul said was turn him over to Satan 
You know what I instructed the church to do? Don't call them. Don't write them. Don't email them. Don't text them. Don't say, poor old brother and sister, brother Mike, and the council just been so mean to you. You do that, they feel, you know, and you begin to feel sorry. You say, well, ain't you compassionate? Yes, very compassionate. Yes, you know what? I spanked my children when they were growing up because I loved them to death. Hello? I didn't want to see them in hell. I didn't want to see them in jail. I had to deal with issues. And so you know what? We dealt with that issue, and it was hard, man. It was gut-wrenching, and I didn't like it. But I'll tell you this. The offender has took me to lunch no less than two times since then, cried over the tables at Sonny's Barbecue, and said, man, we were good friends. I want to thank you for what you did. It took some guts to do it, and it, took, it came with a price, too, because you had people that, you know, they're my good friend. and yeah, I know that, but I, I want to make heaven. I don't know about you. So let me read this. Let me go on because time, time ain't going to let me finish, but I'm going to show, try to get close. He said, so, he said, turn his soul over to Satan, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Verse 6. Your boasting, that is, the Corinthian church, is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? What he said, just like I preached here the other day, the cake will rise. A little bit of this unchecked will run itself crazy. Now, I know what some of y'all are saying. Well, Pastor, man, we got a pile of folk messed up in this place. We're going to get there. Let me show you. He said, get rid of the old yeast that you may be uh, have the new unleavened batch and you really are for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, keep the festival not with the old bread, uh, the old leaven with the malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread. Watch this. He said, verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter, watch this, not to associate with sexually immoral people. He's talking about incarnate. Watch this. Not at all meaning that the people of the world who are immoral. Paul said, I'm not talking about the people outside. You know why? Or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. He said, if I was talking about them, you'd have to go out of this world. You know why? He said, we live among, we're in the world. He said, but the church has been called to be the ecclesia, the called out ones. One, when we said, yes, I want to be a part, we said, okay, old things passed away. Everything has become new. I've accepted Jesus Christ. I'm serving a new master now. Well, I'm going to plow on since I'm this far. He said, but I'm not talking about that you can't hang out with immoral people outside the church. I'm not talking about you can't have friends that are having affairs. You better be careful. He said, I'm not talking about people that's acting a fool outside the church. Watch this. He said, else you'd have to leave this world. He said, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slander or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with them. My God. Don't, you can't touch this. Now, that one just made me swallow twice myself. You know what Paul is saying? He says to the Corinthian people, he said, listen, you have said we are serving God. 
He said, if there is open sin among you, you need to deal with it. And when he said, turn this guy, you know why? This guy wasn't no one-time fling. Man, this guy was steady at it. Are y'all with me? That's right. And he said, since the church knows it and the church does nothing about it, you must condone it. I didn't say it'd be easy. Y'all with me? So he says, don't even such people. What business is it of mine? Watch this, and and I'm going to try to tie this up. Verse 12. What business is it of mine to judge people who are outside the church? Are you not to judge those in? uh Uh-oh, can't touch this, I thought. He said, it ain't my business to judge them people outside the church. But once I've come inside... I done went to eight track and found out what we believe and what we stand for. And I've come down and said, I'm aligning myself with that. That's a different cat altogether. Y'all with me? Say amen. You know, if it's no different, then um, then there's nothing more than just a club. God will judge those on the outside. Expel that wicked person from among you. Now, now, let me tell y'all what happened. That fornicator was thrown out of the church. The church come together, and they done what the apostle told them to do. They said, listen, guy, we're sorry about this, but this is how it is. You can't live like this and still align yourself with the Corinthian church. You're out of here. So the people got so piped up on judgment now. Bless God, we'll take your head off. We'll deal with it. In 2 Corinthians, the man had got forgiveness. The man was right with God, and he wanted to come back to his church that he did love. He was just caught in the snare of sin. And the people was like, (laughs) you the one that was sleeping with your daddy's wife. You ain't coming back here. Paul wrote back to him and said, listen, I told you to turn him over to Satan so that Satan would buffet him so that the blessings of God are off of him and he feels the error of his ways which will drive him to his knees and he will repent and now that he has repented and God has forgiven him I instruct the Corinthian church to forgive him and open the doors and bring him back into the fellowship and if you don't do that you're harder than God himself and hypocritical Because Paul said, if we're not careful, we find ourselves doing the very same things that we condemn others for doing. So let me say this. I preach a message like this in love. And I preach a message like this in compassion. you got to understand, we are never, never authorized to speak negative and hateful against the sinner. For such were some of you. We are to deal with the sin problem, not the person itself we sometimes put their face on it and we don't realize here's a sin problem man i know this ain't popular but that's that's just how it is he said see the fornication there was so public that it could not be concealed it was so certain that it could not be denied And, and the word of it had already spread among the pagans among them and it was an offense so offensive that even pagan people, lost people, wouldn't even do such thing. That's what Paul said. And he said, how, I mean, how is it that we're going to get this church off the ground if you're doing something worse than even the pagans you're trying to win? They won't even do this. So Jesus says, here's that word, crino. 
It means to damn someone or to condemn them. We can't do that. And then the other word is anacrino, anacrino. It means to scrutinize, to investigate, to discern, or to examine. So Jesus forbids us judging in the sense of condemning somebody. But we've all got eyes and ears, and we ought to be able to determine the fruit among us. Now, I want to tell you this, and, I, and I've had to do this more times than I care to do it, but if you loved your friend, and your friend is starting to get addicted to Oxycontin or whatever it is, and you don't say nothing to them because you just don't want to rock the boat, you are not their friend. You are lying to yourself. You say, well, I don't want to mess up our friendship. Leave it alone for six months and see how messed up it is. And then when they find out you knew that they were slipping over that cliff and didn't reach out to grab them, yes, they're going to be mad with you. Yes, they're going to say mean, hateful, putrid things about you. But you know what? You don't love them because they give you accolades and pat you on the back. You love them because they're your friend. You love them because they have two eyes in their head and two ears on their face and a nose. You love them because they are made in the image of God. And as much as I say I'm not here to please people, you're not here to please or placate them at that time. You love them more than the accolades. You love them more than all of that. And you don't want to see them, number one, die and go to hell. That's called tough love. I mean, that's, that's, that's rough. So, don't judge me. Listen, don't judge me. It, that is the lie that's been told that says we cannot form any opinion, positive or negative, about the actions of another person. And that's just not true. Now, this I told you was a very extreme, extreme case. We have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful what we do. But it, we are not prohibited. If we're prohibited, we can't make any judgment call. I got on an LSU Tiger shirt, and some of y'all have already judged me. How could you be standing on a stage in Georgia, be married to, you know, a Crimson Tide, and all of that? Don't judge me. Can't judge me. Stand with me if you will. I'm going to tell you something. This was a hard message to preach. But I, I want to tell you something. If there needs to be repentance right now in your heart, if there needs to be repentance, I'm going to pray. And you can pray with me. And you can be forgiven. And you can be set free. And the Holy Spirit will empower you to quit those things and to put away that old flesh. And if you need to take some action steps, maybe you need an accountability partner so that you don't run by the package store. Maybe you just need to get married. Maybe you just need to, whatever it is, I don't know what it is that's troubling you, but you can fix it. Not you, but if you turn it over to him, he can fix it. And I want to say with everything in me, the love by which I preach this message to judge the sin and not the sinner because I'm no innocent man myself I've, Christ has forgiven me I want us to pray together right now Father in the name of Jesus it's a tough message 
We live in a society that says you can't touch this and you can't judge me. But Lord, again, your word is quick. It is the crushing blow of a smith's hammer. It, it, it is the sharp sword of a warrior. Your word, oh God, is powerful. It's sharper than a surgeon's scalpel dividing to the joints and the marrow and discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Speak to that man or that woman that is dealing with issues in their life. And help them, oh God, give them the power of the Holy Spirit to live in freedom and to clean that up. That's what we're saying about freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. My friend, while you're praying, if you're struggling with whatever it is, if you'll just reach up right now to Him and say, Help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I promise you, He will help you. He will help you. In the name of Jesus. Let it be, oh God. Let it be. Let your spirit lead them, oh God. And may your grace keep them. In the name of Jesus, I pray.